This is a new podcast series called Clarity Generates Confidence. Welcome to this next episode of Clarity Generates Confidence. I'm truly delighted to have a friend of mine and a person I've gotten to know fairly well from my coaching, a strategic coach. Uh, we share a lot of similar thoughts, although we have our uh, nicely our differences. And so I'm delighted that Peter Bryden has uh, joined us today. Um, he's has had his own company. I'll get him to talk about that. He's now got uh, another consulting group that he calls Prospective, which I'm interested to hear more about. And he also has two peer groups that he uh, motivates as well. And as, as I said, his goal is to leave this world a little better place than he found it. And I know that Peter has done that. And uh, we've certainly enjoyed our conversation. So Peter, welcome. And thank you for joining the podcast. Thanks, Gary, for having me. Pleasure to be here. Yeah. So um, let me let me go back a little bit. And maybe I just come back to you because I, I didn't know you right at the very beginning of Strategic Coach. You've been there quite a while. Uh, you came and, and with the with three others that we called affectionately called the Four Musketeers. Uh, you may not know this, but I was told that it was a um, a high heels and lipsticks day. So uh, you, I was your last resort of coach to come on to, or you're going to leave the program. And so I had to put on my best and and be pretty, so to speak. And uh, the history is we've gotten to know each other well over the few years and been able to stay. But uh, maybe Peter, just give me a little background for you, how long you've been involved in the, in the program. Although this is not about coach per se, but why you joined and 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 why you stayed. I think that uh, I'd, I'd be interested for you sharing that with the audience. Sure. Uh, you know, I joined Strategic Coach way back in the 90s. It's been over 24, 25 years now. Um, I joined it because, you know, I was in a point in my business where I was hitting a ceiling and uh, the materials that I had been given about the coach talked about, you know, how to, how to break through those ceilings. And it really talked to me. I went to the first meeting and, um, and I got hooked. And 24, 25 years later, I'm still part of it. And the reason I'm still part of it is because it's it's been a grounding mechanism to me. The the concepts and the interactions and the habits that I've learned there um, have, have really helped me, you know, grow myself personally and professionally to be where I am today. Yeah, uh, uh, Peter, that's that's um, I really appreciate you expressing that. So let me just let's just bring it into context today. So what has that meant for you today? I mean, not necessarily about coach, but what's it meant for you today to, to be able to go through what we've been through for the last seven or eight months? Uh, as we were chatting before we got started, I certainly felt that this uh, pandemic would pass through fairly quickly. I deal with China, as the audience knows, and uh, in China, basically in 60 days, it was more or less behind, but then everything was totally shut down. We're not seeing that now here in North America, and and I, my feeling is, as you, I think, also expressed, we're not going to see it anytime soon either. So has this helped you get deal with the last seven or eight months, helped you deal with your clients that, that way as well? Um, so, yeah, there's, there's a lot packed into that. Um, you know, when you think of how um, the world, you know, individually and collectively has changed over the last seven months, it's kind of mind boggling. Um, you know, at the highest level, the biggest thing I, I see and feel, and this is both personally and professionally, is work life balance for most people um, has gotten thrown in disarray. Uh, it's almost like it's all work life. There is no balance 
And, you know, in strategic coach, we have a, a time system where, you know, we focus our energies on our highest and best use activities. We have, you know, time in our business lives to really take care of all the day-to-day stuff. And then we have time we set aside for free time and we, and we protect that and we compartmentalize that. And what I feel personally, somebody who's lived that time system for 24, 25 years um, and looking out amongst peers, amongst people I deal do business with, people, my kids, my wife, our relatives, everybody seems to be in disarray from a work-life balance perspective. And a lot of it has to do with many people are working from home. They're working in environments that are commingling their workspace with their living space. Uh, they, they have people in the home at times when they're not used to being in the homes, you know, whether it's spouses or kids or parents. And, you know, people really um, are struggling with that right now. Some people thrive in it. Um, so a lot of people, I think, are starting to come to terms with it. It's, it's really a challenge and they want to get away. They want to have some semblance of that balance back in their lives. Um, you know, probably the biggest thing that I feel personally was when this first started, we had this great fear of uncertainty. We didn't know what was happening. And, and Gary, you mentioned when we were talking before we, we started this call is that, you know, we thought it would be over fast. Your experience in China of watching it happen there, you know, you thought that it was going to be over fast. We all thought it was going to be over fast. And, you know, in the beginning, we were fearful of what was uncertain. Um, But as time went on, we started to get comfortable being uncomfortable. We don't know what the future looks like. We don't know when this is going to end. We don't know when there's going to be a vaccine. We don't know when they're going to get, you know, real high scale, affordable testing. And there's all these things that we don't know. And we've had to get comfortable with that. We don't know when we're going to go back to our offices. We don't know when our kids are going to go back to school. And, you know, so it's it's been very, very interesting uh, watching how this whole thing transpired. And it and while we, we, we heard bits and pieces of it late in 2019 and, and in January and February, all of a sudden in March, it was like, boom, it, it really came down on everybody, at least in North America, pretty hard. Yeah. You know, I, I, as I've, I'm listening to you, I'm going, you're right. I had a lot packed into that. And you've also got a lot packed that's given back to me. And, and, and I'm, I'm, I'm wondering if there isn't another, another, you know, people talk about the second wave. Let me put that way, second wave. And, and certainly the second, there's a second wave of the, of the pandemic, the disease. I think there's also a second wave of economic. We haven't seen that. But is there, do you think there's also a second wave of what I'll call fear? Do you think that's, that's out there too, Peter? Do you think there's something else now that's, that's beginning to creep in in people's, in people's minds? Um, I think if the economy went through another major dip, and I'm not talking about a stock market, correction. People have gotten numb to those. They know they'll go down. They know they'll come back. Um, but if from an economic standpoint, the econ- you feel it in the economy, that might do it. If the if the virus spikes up, which they're predicting it will be, and whether it does or it doesn't, um, I think people are now comfortable that um, they know what it is. They know what they need to do. They... Um, they're going to pick their own levels of, of risk tolerance. 
you know, based on their circumstances, based on their beliefs, and they're going to start figuring out how to get on with life. Uh, our society, you know, Western society is not geared towards being hunkered down. We're people. We like to deal with people. We don't like to, you know, hide behind masks. We don't like to do video calls. We're tired of them. Um, we want to interact with other people and we're going to start figuring it out, how to do it without, you know, pushing the envelope on, you know, being irresponsible and allowing the pandemic to continue on unnecessarily. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, I absolutely agree with you. And I see that even in my own family and that, so my, my son and his wife just had a new baby in the their first child or first grandchild in January. So, you know, again, don't do much just before that. And then in middle of March, it all hits. Well, we didn't really see our grandchild until June. Things began to loosen up. Well, even uh, for us as recording this here in the middle of October, uh, in the province of Ontario where I live, the, the, the government shut down, basically, you know, shut things back down again in Toronto and Ottawa and Peel, which is just west of uh, of Toronto and they come out of the Peel region, but they came to the house yesterday. It was our Thanksgivings in Canada at that point in time. They didn't worry about that. They went to see their parents and, you know, um, they would have went to see her parents, I should say. Um, so that might've been, uh, whereas if that had happened back in June, we didn't do anything for father's day. We didn't do anything for mother's day back in May and June. Didn't do anything, you know, around our anniversary. And so, uh, or even, even his mother's birthday in July, didn't do any of those things. Um, but now come, October, you're absolutely right. People are people are are beginning to live with it. I think that's healthy too because we we we're going to assess our own level of risk. It you know at the beginning the government could tell us, but I think we we know a little bit more now than we did before. Well, you know we're really fortunate. My wife and I are in our late fifties, um, and we have all four of our parents. Um, they're all in their middle late eighties. My father in law is in his early nineties. And at the beginning, you know, we we treated them like they were in a cocoon and nobody went to see them and people dropped food off and they washed everything down with alcohol. And and what started to happen was is both sets of parents said, you know, we're not going to be around forever. We know we're relatively high risk. Uh, We're all relatively healthy. Um, But if this is how we have to spend the rest of our lives, we'd rather get the disease. And. The so what started happening was is we started figuring out as small groups how we could responsibly interact with them, and you know it started slowly, um, but you know we've now seen them you know half a dozen both sets of parents a half a dozen times since this happened, and we're careful, um, but you know they decided that they were willing to take the risk because they did not want to live in a bubble, you know for the foreseeable future. Yeah. You know, that, that, that makes, I think that's great. I think that's really, really inspiring to hear that. And I know my, my neighbor next door is the same thing. All of my parents, our parents have passed away, unfortunately at this point, but our neighbor next door, his father's in his eighties and uh, lives by himself. And so I asked Dave uh, how his father was doing and, and with all of this and his father said, you know, he says, uh, how does he feel about that? He says, I'm going to live till the day I die. And uh, so I said, I'm, which means I'm not going to be locked in. I'm not going to live in fear. I'm going to live my life within reason and not let this overtake us. So I, I, I really think that's a real positive attitude to hear from, from, from what you're expressing. So, yeah. So a couple of things that you, you mentioned, and I, and I think that 
and I want to get this thought from you is the, the other is that I call this a crisis muscle. I think that entrepreneurs and those who've been in business for an length of time have a, have a, have a developed or maybe a strong crisis muscle. And in some respects, if we, if we take this in for what it is, this is another crisis. The pandemic is another crisis, something we have to deal with. All of us have had to deal with things greater or lesser. Again, those who know the story, I started all over when I was in my mid-40s. Uh, that was a big crisis time. Uh, for some people, it wasn't a crisis when I was going through it. But right now, we're all going through it at the same time. So what do you, what's your thoughts when I mention crisis muscle with respect to what you know, you've had to go through and what we're, what we're experiencing now, Peter? Um, well, I will tell you that um, from the standpoint of my observation, dealing with other businesses, and I have you know pretty uh, direct insight into about 200 different companies, and it was pretty much all of a sudden at once, people started to f- figure out that this was a real thing. And it was interestingly, at least in the U.S., you know, it started in Washington state, you know, jumped over and then it was in New York and then it started spreading around the country. So you actually had a little bit of a head start if you were in a in a later impact zone. Um, but you saw this whole thing come about and people started mobilizing. People started, you know, their their spiny senses started kicking in and the business owners really you know, first and foremost, put themselves in a protect mentality. You know, how can I stay above the death line, right? Both, both you know, literally and figuratively. <laughs> you know? And and the idea was is is that 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 crisis muscle kicked in. They they recognized that there was a severe threat to their well-being. And the first thing that we have a tendency to do is protect our world and making sure. And we saw that in a lot of different ways and whether it was, you know, people cutting expenses, hoarding cash, you know, right sizing their team, um, you know, making sure they're communicating value propositions to their customers, staying in good communications with their customers. All these things started happening at hyper speed. And the first order of business was to protect, make sure that the entity was going to survive. And once people started to get comfortable that they had that together, then what do they do? They're like, okay, well, I know I'm going to survive. Now I want to think about what's going to happen in the future because I I want to look beyond now to the future and I want to start making sure that I'm doing everything I can to position myself in for the future. As long as I'm not going to, I'm not going to die. I'm not going to go out of business. I'm not going to get sick and die. I want to make sure that I'm thinking about what's going to come next and prepare myself for being there. Because when the thing starts to change in my world and for every different organization, every different family, every different business, you know, the rules were different, you know, depended on your industry, your geography, but you want to be in a position that when those opportunities start coming back and they will, those opportunities always come again. Um, you want to be in a position to thrive through that. And, you know, that's what, I, you know, I spent the whole first three months of, of the pandemic, you know, on those messages, 
you know, with lots of people over and over and over again and trying to, you know, create clarity around that. Cause some people needed some help getting that clarity. Some people needed a, you know, a, a, a calming voice. Some people needed some perspective and, um, and the, you know, the organizations that I work within, we spent our time really making sure that we went out and tried to create some, some consistent thought about, you know, how do you zoom out and, and deal with this scenario? But it comes down to, I think, business owners in general have some of this muscle already established. It's not like going to the gym for the first time and work out like crazy and you can't walk for three days and you never go back to the gym. You know, we were already training so that when this happened, we were in some kind of a shape to be able to deal with it. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, thinking about your, your thoughts of what you did to help everybody through, I realized I, I went through exactly that same process, like the right middle of March, probably through April. I was in um, what I call kind of, uh, you know, no, it wasn't, wasn't, a, wasn't a crisis mode, but one, I just had to get everything. I just had to deal with all the information, everything's coming in and totally went into hyperspeed. And then I went to clean up. What do I need to clean up? And then, and then by the time we got into May, we were starting to move forward. How do we go move forward? And, you know, just from what you're saying, I, I related to the situation that we've got now, um, the COVID, that uh, COVID-19 is the economic hurricane of 2020. And again, China went first, and then there was a little bit of a, an eye of the hurricane, except for the fact the second half of this hurricane um, is, huge, is really long. It's months and months, maybe a year, maybe more. And, but, after a hurricane, metaphor, there's always a rebuild. The things, the structures that aren't strong, the things, the trends that were happening uh, accelerated. Um, a good, bad, either side, all accelerated through all of this. Um, the support structures that we had were gone. For those who had no great support structures, that's gone. And so now what's coming, though, is there's going to be a rebuild. And uh, if we listened to ITR Economics a couple of weeks ago. They're out of, out of Texas. Yeah, and they were giving a, a an economic update to the uh, an association that I'm part of, and I've sat in on this one. And they said, you know what? He said, this recession, ma- major recession, let's call it that. This second part of this hurricane is what we're. He says that's going to be coming to an end by the maybe the end of the end of the second quarter, but by the end of the second quarter. And he says we're expecting the rebuild to be three years. And he said, let's let me put this in perspective. He says the rebuild after the recession in 2008 was five years, 2008, 2012. He says, this is going to be three years. So he said, and I'm going now, whoa, are we ready to go? Just as your point, the opportunities are coming. Are we going to be ready to go? I mean, if companies aren't preparing themselves, thinking about what investments they need to make, what infrastructures they need to have in place, where are the opportunities going to go, Peter? I mean, you've heard of ITR. So what, what do, you, do you concur with that? Do you think that's the kind of thing's going to happen? Um, I am a believer in their way of looking at data. Um, and, and I feel that, you know, next year and the year after um, are going to be really good for a lot of people. Uh, the one thing that I've seen through all of this is a lot of it depends on, you know, your situation going into this. You know, if you had the misfortune of being in hospitality. Whew, yeah. Yeah. You know, if, if you had the misfortune of being in elective surgery, you know, all these these areas that are still really constrained, um, they will come back. 
You know, it's not that they're not going to come back, but they've still got, you know, long, bumpy roads to go. You know, the industry that I spend most of my time is, is IT services. IT services actually did better during the pandemic in many cases because IT services were more important, not less important to the companies that stayed in business. And so, you know, not every industry was affected the same way. Now, if you take something like hospitality and you take, you know, the the boutique restaurant business, there's a lot of them that are going to go out of business. But people want to go out to eat. Yeah. They're going to go back and go out to eat. So there's going to be all these opportunities for people to go in and get cheap leases on space, you know, buy great secondhand equipment at pennies on the dollar. There's going to be all these opportunities for a rebirth. It stinks if you were one of the people that got stuck in the middle, but there's going to come a whole new wave of opportunity for people who will be stronger than the people that they replaced because they had this advantage of coming in and picking up things that were distressed um, at a time when the industry is just starting to come back. So there's going to be lots of opportunity and, you know, there's going to be, you know, jobs and, and businesses and industries that are going to just go away that aren't going to come back. I spend a lot of my time like you do in big meetings with people. You know, we don't know when you're going to get a 200 person meeting, you know, to happen again. And there are a lot bigger meetings than that. Those people that are in the meeting business, the the conference business, we have no idea when those are ever going to come back, if they're ever going to come back. The world may change away from those, but something will come in its place to solve the issue that they solved in the first place. Yeah. You know, Peter, I, 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 I absolutely agree. And I, I'm going to have a, a future guest um, who runs ran a number of restaurants, high-end restaurants in Toronto. And he literally was doing a, you know, tens of millions of dollars a year business when I first met him in January, which basically went to zero and uh, 600 people out. And uh, he was, he's a coach and he came to the workshop last week and he said he's never felt more free. Um, and he's a bright guy and he'll put something back together again. I'm, I'm, I'm really excited to have him on the, on the, on the podcast and see what he's thinking about because he's thinking, he, he isn't thinking about what he's lost. He's thinking about what he can do now. He, he's looking back over all the things that didn't work in that experience. When he started describing the risks of being in the restaurant business, even though you got a big restaurant, all the inventory, you have to have what people might order. Do they keep the reservation, not keep the reservation? How much are they going to pay? And, you know, and then all the employee issues that he's got. And he goes, you know what, there's, there's another way to deal with this. And uh, it was, wow, really refreshing to talk to him about that. But also to see that he's saying, okay, I, I'll build something. I'll build something next. I'll put something else together. And, you know, he's a chef, so he'll stay in the restaurant business, which is, of course, been quite decimated right now. Well, and, and you know, people who are entrepreneurial, um, you know, you can take everything away from them and stick them naked on a street corner and they will figure out how to claw their way back. It's, it's just who you are now. You don't want to go through that experience um, if you don't have to, but there has to be something liberating about giving up everything you have in, in a piece of your life and getting to start with a blank sheet of paper. Well, you, you did that by, by selling the, um, the PC network services. Uh, I did that by getting out of the the tire recycling that I business I did over twenty years ago, and would I have asked? Would I have wished to do that? Because 
you know, I said I come out with my shirt as opposed to something, a lot of anything else. But where I am 20 years later um, has far been, has well been worth that going, going through that. And uh, yeah, Peter, I think if, uh, if people take that attitude and thinking about it, you're right. They can put them on the street corner. So my wife said to me one time as we got this business going again, because we'd often wake up in the morning and she just sort of said, she said, Gary, if something happened to this business, you'd be able to put it all back together again, couldn't you? I said, yes. She just rolled over and went back to sleep. So that was all she needed to do. <laughs> yeah. And he said, I really don't want to think about that. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't want to think about it. But, you know, when, 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 here's the, here, I think, Peter, this is the point that when we have to, we don't want to, but when we have to, it's already there. And, and, and maybe that's the point for, for those who are, are listening to us as we're describing it is that, you know what, we may not like the prospect. We may not like the feeling of it. It may be really distasteful and you kind of go, why did this have to happen to me? Well, I've heard a lot of people more recently say the, this, this pandemic happened for them and not to them. And so if we can say, hey, this happened for me to, to clean up, take advantage, make a change, whatever it is, uh, start over pursue a new idea. That's a great way to look at it. If we always look at what we've lost, we can't carry that baggage forward. We've got to get rid of that baggage and say, what are we going to gain from here? What do we need to do? And just as you started off the the conversation, let's look after our customers. Let's look after our teams. Let's look after our suppliers because they're the ones that need our leadership at this time. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. You know what? I, I, I said, as we were thinking about this and going through, but maybe I'll just come back and ask you a couple of things is that what do you see now going forward from here? You've talked about being, we're going to accept this. This is the way it is. People are making their rational decisions uh, and, and, and deciding what the risks are. What do you see now over the next six months or so? How do you, how do you see things unfolding from, from your perspective down there in Pennsylvania? Well, and, and so, you know, South of the border, um, we also have the added, um, situation. We have this little thing called an election that's going yeah, on. Yeah, yeah, you do. Yeah. yeah. And, um, and I don't know how much you, you hear about that um, north of the border, but uh, damn every, it. all the time, every day. The only good thing about living about north of the border is we're not totally inundated. We can turn it on and turn it off. You guys can't. You, you're just, I have a customer in Southern California in just outside of LA Orange County. And we talk to him every week and, and we believe we're his only sane hour of the week that he has, that he is inundated with everything that goes on. So yes. So we're, we're well aware, but we're not as. In, so uh, everything that happens now is amplified based on a lot of posturing around that. And hopefully once we get past November 3rd, that um, regardless of what the outcome is, is that, you know, a lot of that amplification starts to go away and people can start dealing with the realities of our world instead of just trying to sensationalize and posture, you know, every bit of messaging. And, you know, one of the things that that's difficult to do, it's difficult to put blinders on because you can't you can't deal with any of that, right? There's there's, there's nothing you're going to do to affect any of that, and it has the ability to suck all of the positive positive vibes out of your system because it's all negative. So 
you know, the idea is, is if, if once we get past that, you know, the winners gloat and the losers sulk, um, but that we can start getting, you know, back to, to some sort of a, uh, scenario where we 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 do focus on things that are positive and we do solve meaningful problems and and we do make the progress that we want to make you know as individuals as communities as societies as business people because that's what we all want right and um, it's really hard down here um, with all of the extreme views that are going on and and you know most people are kind of you know, moderate and in the middle. Um, and our political system in, in the States has gotten very extreme. And so if you're in the middle, you're forced to pick a side and you don't want to pick a side because I don't agree with any of the extreme views. I'm in the middle. And so it gets very, very, very challenging. So you have to you have to work really hard to not get distracted by things that are totally outside your realm of control and to focus on things that are going to meaningfully make progress in the world which you have impact the ability to impact you know we've then well 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 expressed peter we've seen this many times so i don't know how many every four years 20 years so five elections uh, there's always a lot of um unsettledness coming into it that people don't make decisions they want to get forward i i I, no matter how hard i try i can't change that mentality and i understand that so i do know that i agree with you that when it's over regardless of what happens that um people will get on with it and make decisions the only interesting thing because i did bring up itr economics before was that he said okay i'm going to show one slide you know they're from texas so they whatever political views they have he says here's the last 40 years from who's ever been in office and they got a blue sections and red sections. He says, the economy's always growing no matter who's gone into office. So he said, that's the only political that's thing I'm going to tell you. Guy, right? <laughs> <laughs> he said, that's the only political thing I'm going to tell you right now. And then, and you know what? Everybody, everybody just totally loved it because they said, it's so refreshing not have to deal with it because I know how, how challenging it is. Well, and, you know, you deal with entrepreneurs, you deal with business people, you deal with people who, you know, explain to me the circumstances, I'll deal with them, whatever they are, and I will figure out a way to make progress. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah, boom. absolutely true. Hey, Peter, this has been wonderful. Um, and we've come into sort of 30 minutes, I usually go around this time. Anything that you'd like to say as we're wrapping this up? Because I, I always appreciate your thoughts and you always express things so clearly. And uh, so I thank you very much for being on. But what, what final thoughts would you have for us today? Um, that the greatest natural resource that we have on this planet is human ingenuity. We can solve any problem as a, as a society, as, as a, as a human race. And, um, and, you know, we'll, we'll solve this one just like we'll solve any, every other, any other one. And, um, and there's a lot of reason to be optimistic. Um, there's, there's plenty of good, there's plenty of good that's going to come out. And, um, you know, we hope that, um, we can all make good decisions, uh, that, you know, add to society and not detract from it. Awesome. You know, that's, that is so right because when I I look at that and kind of go look at what we've look what we've accomplished so far look what we can do and uh, I'm I'm really I'm like you I'm really excited I mean I've been I've been working for forty years or so I'm I'm so excited I'm so excited for my kids who, and and the next generation that comes along and 
I think as anybody who's listening, say, you know what, always take from the take from the positives of what you've accomplished because that's what's going to give you the confidence to go forward. And right now, we are going to work together. There's so many things I believe that are happening underneath the surface because nobody wants it to come into the out up top because of the politicization that's taking place um, in the United States. But when this is over, I think there's going to be a huge burst of creativity, innovation, opportunity. And uh, just I hope everybody just keeps their eyes open to that fact. Yeah, I'm with you. Every Good. step of the way. Yeah, well, Peter, you know, I've, I've really always, I've enjoyed our association. I hope that continues for quite a while yet. Um, we know where to find each other. And thank you so much for being on today. Uh, as, this go, as this goes on, maybe there's an opportunity to do it again. And we come back to say, hey, what's happened in the last four or five or six months? So uh, with that, Peter, thank you very much for joining us today. Thanks for having me.